Welcome back, everybody, to Building Aaronsburg. I'm Thomas Aaronsburg. And I'm Catherine Aaronsburg. And in today's episode, episode three. Your favorite number, by the way. Yes. It's a beautiful number. It's a, <laughs> Based on, it's I'm not sure what. the number of... The Holy Trinity, Father, no, Son, and there's something Holy I was going to go somewhere with triangles, and the triangles being like the... Oh, my Lord, don't nerd on that. I'm a math guy. <laughs> Anyway, that probably is the reason why, to be honest. Maybe. Anyway, it's your favorite number. Today's episode is on taking your time. So we will take you through how in our lives we have taken our time with everything. We are just two oh, yeah. of the most patient people. Mm-hmm. Especially that you me. Probably ever met. <laughs> Everyone who knows me is laughing right now because I'm the least patient person on the planet. But since we're talking about all of the categories of business, family, and what's the third thing we talk about on this podcast? Business. Our home renovations. Oh, yeah, our home renovations and how we take time with all those things. Because I think that that's um, a question we get asked a lot, actually, is how we how we make our way through these renovations and basically don't go crazy over. So, okay, well, let's start. It. We'll start with our home renovations then. Mm-hmm. Um, how we've really, really taken our time getting through, uh, the whole process and, you know, a lot of it I would say is probably financial though. Some of it is, but I think it's maturity too. Cause I think that when we first started, I wanted things done pretty. Pronto stat five. Yeah. Pronto stat five, as you say, but I've evolved as we all do and I've, I've come around to, being okay with living in a bit of chaos. And I think for me, when I first started, when, when we renovated our second house, I'm going to call it the second house. We're going to go from second house. That's when house we first line. started. That's when we first started, the second house. When we started second. I felt, the second house, I felt like we were building a home. The first house, I thought we were flipping it. And so it didn't feel right. like I was renovating it for home purposes. Yes, right? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So in the second house, I felt the need for whatever reason to let people know what our plans were because it was such a disaster. The house was in such shambles, but we had a vision. I had a vision. You had a, maybe you didn't have a vision. I don't know, but you trusted me well, to have a vision. And that house wasn't really livable. I mean, the the first house that we lived in, it was livable. We, we kind of made, made it unlivable by tearing out the floors and that kind of thing. But right. the second house was not, it didn't have an air conditioner yeah. The floors were sagging. The electrical was knob and tube. Mm-hmm. So we did so, we did all those things, but it was it was going to be our home. But So we had that vision for it, but a, most other people did not. They walked in and thought, you are nuts for doing this. And so I literally walked around the house putting, what do you call those things, sticky notes? in all the places where I knew that we were going to do things because we would constantly be bringing people through the house. We both have very large families and people would come in town to visit and want to come over and see our house. And it was like, ugh, like you yeah, want to come, don't, you don't want to see this. You don't want to see this. Like we know what this diamond is going to look like when it's done, but nobody else does. And so I would put up sticky notes all over the house and all the different places of the things that we plan to do. Like over here, there's going to be a large piece of artwork. And over here, we're planning to do a bathroom renovation with mosaic tile. And, you know, all these different things that we were doing as a justification to show people, like, we have a direction for this, you know. Right. It's just going to take a little time. It's going to take some time and some money, you know. But yeah. we do have a plan. It's coming. 
Um, and then I think by the time we made it to this house, this is our third house. Um, by the time we made it to this house, we'd already done it once and a half. I'm going to call it once fully in the last house to where I felt like I didn't feel the need anymore to put up sticky notes. It's like, we got this right. and I don't feel the need to prove it to you anymore. But you know, back on theme in taking our time, we didn't, we haven't so much with this house taking our time. I mean, when we bought this house, we kind of jumped right in. We replaced a roof, air conditioners, we did, tore out a wall. We did, but it was because we learned the lessons of spending a chunk of money to do the foundational things first. Right. And most of the money that we spent before we moved in were, pe- were professionals that came in and did the things for us. Like we had our roof replaced. We hired that out. Right. We had a huge um, wall removed through the center of our house. It was load bearing. Now we have a two story house instead of a one story house. So instead of removing a load bearing wall from a one story house, it's two, which is really needs a professional. Right. We knew enough to know that we couldn't do those things on our own. Um, but we also made sure to set aside enough money. We knew about how much it would cost. We set aside that money. We didn't put it into the, uh, down payment for this house. We set that money aside so that it would be available to do this big chunk of thing first, because we knew those were the foundational things going forward that then we could build on that ourselves. After we did the professional things that matter the most, you want to make sure you have a good roof over your head, a solid foundation underneath your feet. Um, this beam running through the house, those were all in a new HVAC system. We did that too. Yep. So before we even moved in, I think we were running about forty thousand dollars. It was like I was running ten, stroking ten thousand dollar checks. It yeah, felt it, like it felt like we were spending monopoly money, like you always say when yeah. we get to Christmas time. Yeah, uh, Christmas time and any kind of renovation, I always just feel like you just do what it takes to get the job done. But we had set aside a chunk of money. Um, I think the beam was about ten thousand. The roof was about ten thousand. The HVAC system was. Ten thousand, so thirty thousand. I think we, I when we renovated the pool a little bit too, we redid the the pool pump, and you got that going. Now that you did that yourself. Yeah, that wasn't a ton of money either. It, it was about five thousand yeah, dollars. It was. It shouldn't have we're been just, that much money because we didn't know what we were doing with yeah. the pool. We knew what we were doing with the roof because we've done a roof before. HVAC, yeah. we've done an HVAC before. Yeah, we have a pool now in this this third house that we like. Every house we buy, there's some new challenge that we've never done before, and you kind of have to learn all over again all the lessons that you thought you learned in the other houses. But it's always different when it comes to a home. And new. you know what's funny though is, is the lessons that you're learning. You're learning specifically like new skills, but the lessons still there. Like the the theme for today, taking your time. You know, with the pool, I felt like we were rushing to get it done. We mm-hmm. bought this house in. February or March, yeah. And we wanted the pool ready by swim season, which in Mm -hmm. Mobile is... Like May. May May-ish. Yeah. So we rushed in and we were dumping money. Yeah. I think... Into that pool. But I think all the big chunk of stuff that you did was right. You replaced everything on the pool pad. You know, the the sand filter. The 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 pump. pump, The chlorinator. The Polaris, all the things. Right. So, but we were buying a lot of chemicals for the it chemicals that, that are we where we really need. hit the the downfall. I think neither here nor there. Yes, T- I think that other taking than your to time, say that we were rushing in, you know, had we taken our time a little bit more, we probably could have done a little more research. Sure, that we don't need to buy. But I think too, hundreds there's a, of dollars of chemicals every single time we go to the pool store. I think that that was definitely trial and error. I'm not sure there. I think that there is a balance between rushing in and taking things too slow and just dipping your toe. I don't know. There's a balance between those two things for sure. 
And sometimes we find it and sometimes we don't. And I would say that most of the time you don't know what it is until you've already gone through it. So you've taken uh, a lot of pride and you've been very careful about how you've grown your audience um, because you could have you could have paid for followers this whole time. Yeah, I, I, I've never wanted to leverage an audience just for number's sake because I think that's it's not it's not honest. My entire tagline is simple, honest, beautiful, simple, honest design. And I think you strip the honesty out when people, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit and they realize that you're using them for something. And it, I mean, it's like my YouTube videos. When I first started with YouTube, I didn't monetize them. I could have monetized them, but I didn't because I felt like it's, it's worth more to me to have people watching the video than it is for me to make a fraction of a penny off of their viewership. And so then, you know, you grow a big enough audience and ads become more and more normal to where it feels okay to then do that. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't watch a YouTube video now. Right. Without, without having, having an having ad. Five second skip. Well, these days you can't monetize a video unless you have a certain size audience. And so I kind of got cut off for a while. I right. could there was a while where I could have monetized no matter how big my audience was and I chose not to and then it became well now you can't monetize until you have a large enough audience. And so I made sure that um once I did have that large enough audience, I weighed that option again with um going slow, moving slow and trying to make sure that you're do- making the right choices. I intentionally I, th- I guess I intentionally have moved slow. I've never thought of that before. I mean, when my followers on Instagram and Facebook, I could probably ask them for anything and they would do it for me. Um, at least that's how I feel. It feels like a well, community. Well, one of your followers did drive a couch from Gulf Shores all the way to our yes, house Yes, and she it. offered to do it. And it's like, I would never have asked something like that right. from someone. And I've got multiple DMs. I just happened to mention in my stories that I'm going to go over the bay to this thrift store. And I have this person DM me and say, I'm going to be there anyway. Why don't I just bring it to you? Like, are you serious? You would do that yeah. for me? Like, that sounds crazy. But it really does feel like a group and a community. We've talked so much about my business and all these podcasts, but you're a guy who has started out as a teacher and is also a football coach, and you've had so many lifelong dreams of becoming a football coach at a higher level and, you know, working your way up the system, the ladder, as they say. Right. How do you take your time? How does that, how does that go back so, to your football? It's it's a little different, I would say, for me because we've had several of these conversations just between you and me about our my focus, our focus has always been more on our family and one of the kind of one of the things that comes along with that is that we're not gonna uproot our family, you know, kind of the, the for those of you that, that don't follow football, particularly high school football in Alabama. But even even college football is really no different. Um, what coaches typically do to move up is they have to move out. So it, it's very rare for someone to be promoted 
within the same program from a low-level coach to the head coach. And so what most coaches have to do is move from school A to school B where they take a little bit of a step up at school B and then take a little bit step up at school C and then then to school D. And by the time you get to school X. Every new job wants you to have a rung up on the ladder before you get to them. Right. They'll give you that next rung up, but you have to have... But but they will rarely offer those steps to people within their own program. It's For whatever reason. I mean, it, it. I'm sure if you look at businesses, there's probably a lot of businesses that are like that too. You know, when, when a upper management position comes open or a CEO of the company comes open, they might look within their own business. Some businesses do, but a lot of times they... I think that might be a lot of conjecture on your part. We don't know much I really about don't know. Businesses. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to be able no to idea. say that. But anyway, for football, I can tell you that for football, they very rarely do that. Not that they don't do it, but it's very rare. So for me, the the taking time is because I haven't. we haven't been willing to move around everywhere across the state, across the southeast. Yeah, maybe more than taking time. This is more of having to change your goals and dreams in the long maybe. run. Maybe. I mean, yes, maybe. But definitely, you know, when I was 20 and I first got into coaching, I thought by the time I was 25, I was going to be the next head coach winning state championships. I'm sure every young coach thinks that. And very quickly you realize, well, if I want to do those things, there's a lot of things that that you have to be willing to do, and I'm just not willing to do those things. We could for sure do a whole other podcast episode or 10 on football because I got lots to say about it. Yeah. But. So for me, I mean, the, the taking your time really is, is kind of the result of me making personal choices for our family. Mm-hmm. That's led me, I mean, I'm now gone from a freshman assistant coach, which is about as low as you can get. I guess maybe like a middle school coach might be a little bit lower. Um, When I first started out, I didn't get paid anything. The first two or three years I coached, I got paid zero dollars. I was doing it just because I like to do it. To Now I'm the passing coordinator, offensive coordinator for the high school that I coach at, so... It's taken a long time. It's probably not the traditional path that coaches take, but it's the one that that I thought was best for me and for our family. And so, and you love the school that you're at, right? And I, I would, I don't know what you it's don't like to work around. at other schools. You didn't want to do that. You didn't want to move around. You didn't want to not right. only not only just for our family, but also because you didn't want you did not want to leave the school that you were at. Oh, I mean, I know that you're I have a math a good teacher, thing. you right. know. Oh, as, as a math teacher, I could find a job pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I like, I know that I have a good thing. Every coach that ever comes to our school from another school, it very candidly tell all the coaches that are there, this is the best school I've ever worked at. And I've been hearing that for the last 20 years. Yeah. Why would you go why would to I, fate? Yes. Why would I go? <laughs> no, let me go try it over at this other school. Yeah. Because they're winning more so or I think, whatever. I think what we're learning here is that sometimes you're, you, we choose to take time. And sometimes taking time is forced upon us a little sure. bit. And then we have to look back and wonder or, or consider and contemplate, you know, why 
why were we put in that position? Why were why are we being forced to take time? I think a lot of times that the answers come to us, you know, in hindsight. The third thing is the kids and growing a family and taking our time with that, which is hilarious to say because we had four children under six years old. We didn't take our time. We didn't take our time with that. But I will say that of all the things that I feel like I purposely took time with, it was the kids. I've always felt like we're in a season. Our babies are little in general. We had uh, we had see, all yeah. very small children at one time. Right. Now they're all they're all in, in diapers. Right, they were all in now diapers at all one time. In school. Right, they're all in school. Someday they'll all they'll, be in high school. Which I mean, it'll be hard. Like there's just stages where that is horrible for them to all be. Like they might all be going to college at the same time. Right. I mean, just as quickly as we filled this house with children, we will be right emptying the house right. of the children. But I just mean from the larger the larger standpoint of. I took my time and not wishing it all away. Cause I just know, I remember I was surrounded by moms at the time who were like, Oh, I can't wait until they're out of diapers. Oh, I can't wait until they're whatever. Right. And while I knew, cause I'm not the most patient person and I'm, I mean, I was drowning with four children at home and doing all the things for them and caring, you know, it was drowning. It was, it yeah. was not easy at yeah. all, but I certainly didn't ever think, I just thought this is a season. We will get through this season. There is light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see the light. It's like a pinhole sometimes. Right. But it's there. Um, but yes, as far as expectations from <laughs> for kids, you know, birth orders are a real thing. How they experience life, um, especially that close together. Number three, for sure. You know, they're four years old and you're expecting them to do the same thing as the seven-year-old is. Right. Which are, are much different oh, yeah. things. I mean, even now when... So every weekend, I am the job assigner. I get a piece of paper out and I write down a list of jobs, and they should be on different levels. You know, the oldest one should be able to do the laundry and the dishes and everything by themselves. And then the second does a little bit less, and the third a little less. And What's hilarious, though, there's is There's only that one that gets cut a lot of slack in mm-hmm, that job it's list. The baby. And it's the baby. But I have to say... Not only do you expect a lot out of them when it comes to those things, the older kids also expect for the third and fourth oh, yeah. one to pull their weight too. Right. So it's not just you feeling like, oh, I like it's hard for me to see the age difference between all of them. The older kids also expect for baby right. brother hey, and I'm sister. I'm over here digging this hole. <laughs> Grab a shovel. Let's go. <laughs> We're building character. <laughs> a lot of character. Yeah. They're, there are going to be some they characters. They will learn how to work. That's for sure. <laughs> A segment that we want to phase to or phase into is questions from the audience. And through my Instagram, we got a bunch of good questions. And I picked one out today that kind of goes with the theme of this show, which is taking your time. And this person asked, how do you get past, quote, your perfect vision and just start working and living with it in phases? So I am not the visionary. I am I'm the doer of of the deeds. So you're I mean you're the vision person. A lot of times, you know, a lot of the jobs are just jobs that just need to be done. A wall needs to be painted or stuff needs to be taken out. Even sometimes before we we have the perfect vision of what it's going to be, 
we're ready to start working on it. And so a lot of, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think a lot of times we just start working with a general vision. And as it starts coming together, your perfect vision sort of comes into focus. Yeah. And I think we kind of brought it up in a previous episode too, about how living in a place for a while before you start renovating. I think people who buy, when you buy new houses or a house that is new to you, people are dying to make some changes. They just right. want to get in there and just fix things up, which sounds sexy, but the reality, unless it's a paint color or something, if you're really doing some construction, you need to live in the house for a while before you start doing anything crazy. Cause you might regret it. We've done it several times. And so I think for us, we'll do some of the cosmetic stuff or we'll do the really big stuff that we know has to be fixed, like the right. roof. I mean, like right. that's... I mean, redoing a roof is not... That's probably not the stuff that this person asking that's within about. within your perfect vision. Right. Redoing the electrical. No one... It's not in your perfect... notices the, Although, the I have to say, we've done things like put smart... You know, we're starting to put smart home type stuff right. in. So wiring to make sure that that's, that's that the goal. Seemed, it's kind of something that you do... Almost after the fact, like when you're, when we were designing the space, we never thought like, oh, we need to put a smart switch here and a smart switch there. It's just kind of like we started doing things. And as we got to the light switches, it kind of came up, hey, why don't we do smart switches instead of yeah, the regular old toggle switch? And I don't know. It wasn't necessarily part of the original plan. Yeah. But I think, still think that I'm not exactly sure what this person is asking here about uh, working and living in phases, if it's a matter of being embarrassed that you're living in the middle of a construction zone, or if it's a matter of um, feeling like you, you and your spouse or you and your partner can't agree on what needs to be done. Um, and a lot of that just comes down to personalities, some of it. But right. I will say if it's a matter of starting a project and feeling like you've either run out of money or you're embarrassed that you're in the middle of a project and you're not sure when you're going to finish it, we for sure learned the lesson of learning to not care what other people think because it's going to get done and it's going to look good. At least it's going to look like we want it to look, whatever, um, and not worry about what other people think. I think the other side of that could possibly be in that question, the almost the paralysis by analysis where you can't even start because you, you don't have all of it. Oh my goodness, that's a huge problem. I see it all the times, especially with um, bathrooms and kitchens, because there are so many choices for surfaces and colors and textures and finishes and appliances. um, What do you call water spouts? What do you call them? Faucets. Yeah. All these different poles. Every all the things you want pools, you want knobs, you want bars, you want what all these different things. Right. And people spend so much time focusing on all these details. And I, you know, the details are important. I'm not going to argue that details are important. But generally, if you're sitting there making the choice between a white Carrera marble and a white subway, in the end, there, you, no one is going to look at that kitchen. They're going to see the whole kitchen as a whole. You at one time saw it as every single detail, a hundred right. different decisions. In the end, you want to be able to look at it as one overall composition. And it will not take much time before you will have forgotten all of the crazy decisions that you were pouring over for months and months because they all fade into the background and they don't matter. And we all stress ourselves out so much about stuff that in the end doesn't matter. Right. So... Probably if I were to say anything, it's to really be 
not emotional about what's going on with, with a renovation and really just be logical and try to stick to, you know, uh, the facts well, of what's going that, on. That also, that's why it helps to have a third party, a designer, even just a good friend that, that has a general feel for what your style is. Because, sure. Because this is your money and you feel like every decision is the dollar that you're spending. It, it kind of scares you that if I make the wrong choice on these knobs and I go with the wrong finish on them, that's a several hundred dollar mistake I can't take back. And now that doesn't match the countertops. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I do think that that is where a good designer comes in because choosing materials, if it's a if it's a matter of a durable material versus a junky material, like knowing where to properly spend your money, where it's worth it to, to quote unquote splurge versus worth to save. If you don't already know that information, I do think that's things that we've learned over time where, right. where you can scrimp a little and where you can spend a little. Um, I think that having, having a designer that you're paying some money to help you make the decisions do, does help not just from saving you money, in the long run from possibly things that you bought too cheap and they ruin them, but also just the stress and anxiety of having to make all those decisions. And third of all, I feel like I'm pitching design services, but this is all interior stuff we're talking about anyway. But third of all, um, in most cases, at least with my clients, cause I do exterior design, but as far as clients are concerned, it's very similar. The, the partners generally, when they bring a designer in have agreed to let the third independent party, the designer, make the decision and they will have agreed to let that person if if there is some sort of argument happening so if it is a matter of you know where to start or what finish to choose or where to splurge and and all this different stuff and advice to be had um it can save a lot of money and a lot of anxiety and stress and possibly even your marriage (laughs) or your relationship by bringing um somebody in if you really just can't make the decisions on your own yeah so I hope that answers that question for that person. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, it's a very good question. It's and it it's kind of has it can take on a lot of different meanings too. Yeah, so. absolutely. I hope we answered your question. We tried to answer it from every possible angle that we could think of. <laughs> She's probably like, guys, it was too much, too much of an answer. Uh, well, that will conclude our show. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to check out our Facebook page and leave comments or questions you might have for us there. Um, you can also watch our podcast. If you are listening right now, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, and you can see us grasping our, our coffee our mugs, mugs of cocoa that I didn't drink because I put too much chocolate in mine. I drank most of mine because I made the perfect mixture. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to watch us and not just listen to us, you could watch us on YouTube. Um, and be sure to like and comment and subscribe. Yep, we're uh, building Aaronsburg on Facebook. We're building Aaronsburg on Instagram. And we're building Aaronsburg at gmail.com if you want to email us questions, comments, or even stories about your construction process. I would love to hear some construction stories. I would love stories. to hear some too. <laughs> I'm sure there's some good ones out there. But until next time, bye y'all. Bye y'all. I turned you down because you're being a spaz and you didn't talk that loud, ever.